Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you? Doing well? Feeling good? Looking good? Oh, less yeses to that one. Rough. Come on, let's work on our confidence today, hey? Looking good? Feeling good? No, it's great. We're in this series called Walking with Jesus, and wouldn't it be good to be able to say, in hindsight, looking back, if someone asks our kids, our grandkids, like, what was the, what was the key granddad that you lived with? How, did, how should I be successful? What, what can I do? I was even asked this yesterday. Uh, in, in a different roundabout way and in my head is like, I want to get to the place where I can answer this question honestly is the secret key is I walk with Jesus every day. Uh, that I'm close with him every day and he helps me in these areas. I think what a, what a fantastic uh, legacy, what a fantastic kind of way to identify ourselves and as a key distinct mark of our life of going, you know what, I walked with Jesus every day. I didn't just tag him in. I didn't just kind of have a moment with Jesus but I just lived in a way that was essentially walking with him. And that was the key, that was the distinction that, that set my life apart in a direction and or like an outcome that I could have never done by myself. And isn't that just a great thing that we're actually invited into that? That is the invitation in this thing called the gospel, the good news, what Jesus is all about what he came here on earth to extend and to proclaim this good news. It wasn't just letting you all know. It was kind of an invitation into saying, hey, would you come and follow me? As I said last week, in the, just in the Gospels, the four first books in the New Testament, in there what was recorded was 89 invitations to follow. And that's just what they wrote down. And I think the invitation is still there for us today, going, hey, would you just come and follow me when I wake up tomorrow morning? Hey, would you just come and follow me when, when the kids are screaming and I don't know how to deal with it? It's, hey, would you just come and follow me through this? And that's the one I wish I responded yes to a little bit more. Uh, when you're not sure how to deal with the circumstances in front of you, I, I'd love that, that the gospel invites us with that Jesus invitation saying, hey, would you just come and follow me through this as well? Uh, not, not leave me back in advice land, but come and follow me here as well. And this is what, really the invitation is that we can live and walk with, with him here and now and, and forever. And we'll have a look at this in Mark 1, 14, 15. It says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. But the time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's come near. Here it is. He said, repent and believe the good news See, the word repent here, we get a bit scared of this one, but it's actually a key part of how we follow Jesus. The word repent here means to change course, to turn around, to, to let go of one thing and grab hold of something else. So to turn away and change the course, which in a sense, if you're going in one direction and someone says, hey, would you just come and follow me, you have to change course in order to follow, don't you? You have to essentially repent going, okay, I'm no longer going to go that direction, I'm going to go in this direction. So Jesus was calling people going, hey, change your course and come and follow me where I'm going to go. And this idea of good news 
It's not just good news. This is where we get the word gospel. We say the gospel is good news because essentially it's the same thing. It's the same words. The the word originally that was used here wasn't even a religious word, but it translated in their days to things like it is news that brings great joy. Isn't that cool? That the idea that Jesus is inviting us, that the kingdom of God has come near to us, is news that should bring us great joy. This is why you go, man, there are just some people who are just a little bit too passionate about Jesus. It's like, no, it's people who have grabbed hold of this good news and it has brought them great joy. It should be news that brings us all great joy. I wish, I wish churches and Christians had a better reputation of being joyful rather than just big downers. <laughs> yeah? I wish we had a good reputation because it, we have a gospel that should bring us joy. Going, I don't know how to fix everything. I don't know what the deal is about everything. I might have a simple faith. I might have a very intelligent faith. But what I know is that the good news of Jesus is something that brings me joy. It is such good news uh, that I can't help but be joyful right now. Regardless of our circumstances, it brings us great news. And the cool thing about this in the context that Jesus was talking in is this wasn't like, oh, you've got your own gospel, is it? This is like your version of the good news of God. No, this word wasn't even a religious word at the time. It was a word to define something that happened in history on behalf of others. So I'll give you an example. There was, uh, at the same time around Jesus and Mark was writing this letter, there was a script in ancient Roman times, and it was titled, or this is the beginning of it, it says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. Essentially, this is the beginning of history-making news. And so that was happening at the same time that Mark was writing the gospel according to Mark. And someone else was scribing the gospel because of Caesar Augustus. They determined this was earth-changing, history-making kind of news. It also happened when things like uh, Greece was invaded by Persia. And the Greeks won the battle. They would send heralds, or which again translates essentially to the same word we get evangelists from, or preachers. They would send preachers all throughout to the towns. They didn't have social media or news broadcasters, so they would send people out to all the towns, the cities, all the farms, to proclaim the good news to these people that the fight has been fought, the battle has been won, and you are now free, not slaves anymore. How cool is that? is that this was, they would go and declare the gospel, just letting you guys know that the fight has been fought. You, you, you were slaves, you didn't know it, you were out just living a life under oppression of, of the Persians, just letting you know we've risen up, the Greeks have now won, we, we fought the fight for you, and now you are free. Just letting you know this is the gospel, the good news that we are proclaiming to you. And so when Jesus said, hey, turn, because there is good news, there is gospel, there's something that brings great joy, it wasn't like, okay, we'll sit back and let's see about this. They understood it as someone has done something on our behalf that we couldn't do. And what is, he, what is Jesus talking about here? They got intrigued, interested of going, hang on, you're saying you're coming from God and that God is, that all this stuff is going on. We're trying so hard to please him and trying so hard to work our way towards him. And you're saying that, that, that all of that stuff has been done for us. See, Jesus came to say, hey, I'm fighting the good fight and I'm winning the battle. So you, in a way that you could never do for yourself. And just to let you know, I've won. 
you are now free, would you come and follow me and I'll show you how to live free? When we get that choice, this is the good news. So many of us are still living as if Jesus hasn't won for us. That the gospel is still incomplete. That it's goodish news that still needs a conclusion. But Jesus was proclaiming, hang on, this is news that brings great joy. What you could never do on your own, I've done for you. Isn't that great? That's why he says, come on, change course. Stop walking that way. You're, not, you're no longer under the oppression. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer kind of bound by yourself and trying to figure it out yourself. In fact, I want you to walk with me and let me show you what, what could be and what I've actually done for you. See, the gospel is an announcement of something that has happened for us. It changes our status forever. This is why it's good news that I'm no longer striving to get to God or to please Him or anything, but it's, no, no, I have done this for you. And this is one of the big differences between Christianity and and other religions, and that's inclusive of the idea of I'm non-religious, is the fact that uh, the essence of other religions is essentially advice. Here is advice on how to live and how to improve yourself and how to get somewhere, but the essence of Christianity is news, not just advice. It is something has been done for you, not here is what you need to do. Isn't that great? See, a lot of other religions, other people, they say this is what you have to do to live in order to earn your way to God, but the gospel says this is what has been done already in history, that Jesus lived and died to earn your way to God for you. That's beautiful. That's the gospel. See, it's completely different. This is news, and and not just that it's like, oh, I'm done then, I don't have to listen to anything. No, no, we respond to this news. This is why, again, why we're passionate when we worship, or something, many people do. Why we passionately get into the Word of God, why we pray the way that we do, and consistently is because it's our response to this good news of going, oh, this is so good, I don't want to reject it, I don't want to keep going on my own path, I want to respond appropriately So this news that has been, something's been done for me that I could have never done by myself. I want to know more about it. I want to follow. I want to to turn course from me being in charge to, well, this new king who who came in and and conquered for my freedom. I want to see what he has to say about how I go forward here. See, and this is what I, I really want us to grab hold of today is that the gospel is news. It's not just advice. When you're reading the Bible, there are a lot of good things that we can take, and we can read it as this is good Christian advice, but at the core of it, it is good news. It is good news for us, not just good advice. This is not how I earn my way to God. This is not how I start to make myself look like Jesus. No, this is, it is writing about our responses to what the news is. This is how we, how we could respond. This is what responding to this good news has been done for us. And and I know so many people who are still bound up going, I'm not good enough, I'm not Christian enough, I need to work on this and I'm failing in this area. And we beat ourselves up because we are responding to good advice, not good news. And we need to put this news first, that Jesus has already done what we could never do. Bridge this gap between us and God. Made us worthy, made us acceptable, made us pure. 
And now I can read through the Bible and I can hear in prayer, I can listen to people speak about, well, how we can act and go, oh, cool, I can respond to the good news. I'm not earning something. Jesus already gave it. But I can respond to what Jesus has already done. See, advice twists the gospel to center around me, whereas good news tells me that the center is Jesus. When, when we're listening to, to preaching, when we're reading through the Bible, if you are reading it for advice, you are the center of the gospel. But it is not. You should be, we read the Bible seeing Jesus as the hero. And how, well, what's the way that I can respond to him being my savior and him being my Lord? See, advice tells me I have to do something to earn, but good news tells me that Jesus already did something. And so when we follow, we're not just following good advice, we are responding to good news. Very simple, but I'd, I think this is powerful. The simplicity of the gospel, I, I still haven't managed to get past. And I continue to come back to it. But this whole advice thing and this good news, this was um, something that, uh, an interaction Jesus had with a guy in the gospels, and he struggled with this point. And this is a kind of point that Jesus was trying to make to this man. And you know the story, likely, it's called the Uh, Jesus was talking to a rich young ruler, and it's in Mark 10, I'll I'll read through it for a bit. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So you know the commandments, you shall not murder, uh, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, shall not defraud. Uh, honor your mother and father. So Jesus gives the second half of the Ten Commandments, which are the, the horizontal um, commands. Essentially, you've got the, the first half of vertical commands, all about your interaction with God, and the second half are all about your interaction with man. And he's going, oh, I'll test you how you're going with man first before I get to how you're going with God. Yeah? So off he goes, he says, teacher, he declared, all of these things I've kept since I was a boy. So he's either doing really good or he's a liar. <laughs> you can guess which one. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Wow. He says, there's one thing that you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. But then, come follow me. It wasn't just, go get rid of everything. There was an identification there is that there is something here that you're lacking. You're following all the advice and yet you're lacking something. And the invitation there was to fulfill what was being lacked. Come follow me. That's what you're lacking. You might be doing the right things, but you're not following. You might be wearing the name tag of some kind of religious person or a, a very godly person, but, but there is no following. So let me extend this invitation here. One thing he lacked wasn't about rules. Apparently, he kept all the rules, but he lacked the, the appropriate Lord that he was following. So in essence here, what Jesus is saying is go, go exchange one, uh, the, the Lord that you're currently serving and come follow the right one. Come get rid of the, the Lord that is controlling your life. Like it, all throughout history, this man, whatever his name is, it's probably like Steve-O or something, but we don't know that. All we know is his defining quality was he was a rich, young ruler. And you know what? He walked away with that identity. He walked away with that, still his name tag, 2,000 years later. He could have been known as a follower of Christ, 
but he walked away as a rich, young ruler. Jesus identified going, you are following one Lord, but this is where that first word we learned, this is time you need to repent, not smack on the wrist, but go from one way, turn around, and let's go a different way. Saying you need to exchange directions, exchange Lord here, because, well, essentially Jesus is saying, I've come to do something that you can't. I've come to give something that your money and your status won't be able to earn you. And no matter how many rules you try to keep and advice you try to follow, you will not get where I can go for you. I think this is a fascinating story. I love it. It's so confronting to me because I start identifying, going, okay, well, I might not be a rich young ruler, but there are other things that I might have my hand on that Jesus is saying, hey, why don't you let go of that and grab hold of me? Identifying these little things are going, well, here's a distinct mark on you, but would you like a new one? Come and follow me. And so he keeps going. He says, at, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Uh, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, well, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed, or another word there would be surprised. The, the way that they were amazed wasn't like, oh, how clever, but oh, surprised kind of amazed at, at his words. And the reason that they were surprised at his words is that the culture that they were in, riches revealed that uh, they were blessed by God or God's favorites. That was the religious context of the time, that if you were wealthy, God obviously loved you more. That you, let me put it in a modern context, that if you are wealthy, that you are obviously, you have more faith. And we look at it and go, well, how silly are they? But often we do the same kind of scales, don't we? Things are going well for them. Oh, well, God must like them more. Maybe their prayer life is more alive. And essentially we're going back to, they're following the advice better than I'm following it. Rather than realizing that Jesus has done for both of us what neither of us could ever do. My status is son of God, which is the same status of any other person here. It's not how much I please or how much I do all the right things, but come on, we come back to, I'm a son of God, and I just want to follow him and what he has for me. Because riches at that time didn't define anything, it doesn't define anything now. Can I just push this just for a moment? Is it doesn't identify that you are more favored by God because of how much is in your bank account. It doesn't reveal how much faith that you have in God compared to other people. See, getting rich isn't the end goal of the gospel, it's becoming like Jesus is. And here we find that someone's riches was actually the thing that separated them from God. Anyway, just a freebie there for you. Let's keep reading. No one likes that one. It's like, no, no, tell me how being rich is good. Anyway, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich. And you can take the word rich out there and put whatever it is that we, we worship, whatever our Lord is, really, to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were more amazed or surprised and said to each other, well, who the heck can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said this, and this is the crux of the gospel. Well, it's impossible for you to be saved. But with God... All things are possible. 
He said, here, with man, this is impossible. By yourself, this is impossible. There is no way. It's not just the rich that can't do this. It's not just that camels can't do cool tricks. What he's saying here is this going, well, with man, on your own effort, with whatever it is that you are clinging on to, if it's not Jesus, it's not going to happen. But with God, all things are possible. And that's where the invitation into the gospel is, is going, stop trying to do something for yourself that you can never do. And just come and follow. Jesus to this man was, get rid of the thing that you were putting all of your hope in because it's just leading you in the wrong direction. But then come follow me and I'll show you. What an invitation this man knocked back. Because we often look at what he had to give up instead of what he had to gain. And if I had an internship with the Son of God, you'd give whatever money you could to get on that program, wouldn't you? It's going, hey, why don't you come and apprentice with me and I'll just show you how, how to do this. You'd be going, yep, no worries, whatever, just take it all, let's go. And that is the same invitation we have today. It's going, would you walk with me? Would you let go of these lords and would you walk with me? Whatever it is that you're trying to, to earn your way to, Come on, that's not how it's done. I've already done it for you. Here we go. There's the good news again. What we can't do for ourselves, no advice will ever make us like Jesus, but only He will when we follow. That's the good news, that He paid the price on our behalf, a price that we could never pay so we could know and be known by God. And Here's probably, it's my favorite chapter in the Bible. I read it a lot and it's because I can't get over it. So you're going to have to put up with this for a long time. It's Romans 5, verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless. That was, that, that's our default. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much is in the bank account. This is how Jesus is seeing, going, hey, without me, you're powerless to do what I can do. Christ died for the ungodly. Oh, thank goodness. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though a good person, uh, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. Again, he did something for us. This is the gospel, news that something has happened. Uh, Since we have now been justified, and it's a weird word if you see it as just as if I've never sinned. It's a great way to simplify what justified means. Now that we've been seen as just as if we've never sinned by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, which we know, that's what we see with Easter. It says, how much more, having been reconciled already through his death, shall we be saved through his life? And this isn't referring to how he lived. This is referring to now that Jesus is alive in heaven, interceding and advocating on our behalf, going, you've been reconciled through his death, and now that he is alive and advocating for you, come on, it's going to be even more so now than ever before. That's the good news, that we're not just here on our own trying to earn something that's already been given, but once we start following, we all of a sudden have Jesus advocating for us. On our behalf, come on, going, come on, let's go. When we make the mistake, he's there going, don't look at that, Father, I paid for that one. I don't, don't put the debt on them, I cleared the debt already, that was me. Come on, I'm advocating, interceding on their behalf. Come on, the fact that he is alive and he's in heaven is good news for us, church. That he's done something that we could never done 
for ourselves. See, this invitation to continue to follow him, though, this is how I'm trying to see it as I'm growing in this myself, is it's not like a program that we follow at the gym. You know, you get this kind of like three-day-a-week program here. If you go do this for one hour each day, you'll start the morning with 20 push-ups and 18 crunches and, you know, like a juice cleanse or something. It's not, it's not a plan, it's not something you follow that interrupts some of your day and then you go off and do everything else. And that's how I think a lot of people see our faith, see Christianity is I'll go, I'll interject Jesus at the start of the day or the end of the day or the start of the week and then I'll just go on and hopefully that, you know, that Red Bull keeps me going. But I, the invitation to follow is a bit more like a GPS on a road trip, you know, that where am I going currently? And how do I get there the best way? It's like following Jesus just through our normal life is, is essentially this road map into, well, where are we going? Someone that we follow. And I love how Jesus puts this kind of confrontation to us in, in Matthew 16, 26. It says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul or forfeit the soul? Now, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. See, lost here isn't so much about destination. We often read this as going, you lost, lost your soul. Like, it's gone. It's in hell. It's, it's gone forever. But what he's talking about here is more diagnosis than about destination. Now, you know this. It, you've ever been in a big city that you're not currently living in, and you know where you are. You're in Sydney. But you don't know where or how to go. You're lost. You're more of a, diag your diagnosis is lost. It's not your destination going, I have no idea where I am. You go, oh, I know roughly where I am. I just don't know where to keep going. I don't know how to get. And I, I talk to so many people and this is probably the biggest diagnosis I can see is that we have no, just like I'm out of mojo. I just don't know the direction. I'm just not feeling it. Like everything's going great, but I just, I don't know. I'm just a bit flat and I'm a bit, well, all of a sudden it's a diagnosis. I know where I am. I love Jesus, I'm like, I, I, I love what I'm doing, I, everything's going well, I just, I just feel lost. I'm just not sure where to go. And all of a sudden, it's like I need to kind of tune back into the GPS rather than just go and dabble in it and then try to do it off memory. Another way of looking at it is like having a car with no steering wheel. Now, you can have the flashiest car, the most powerful thing, but you are still just an accident waiting to happen, aren't you? You go, oh, look, it's got this many horses in it. I'm like, fantastic, this must be little horses. But it's so good, it's got this, it's got that, it's got that, does it have a steering wheel? Nah, I'm like, you are going to praying. And that's often the condition of our soul, if everything is going well, but I'm not following the way that God is leading. And I'm probably just an accident waiting to happen. And so the invitation to follow the good news of what Jesus has done to respond to this is it is a map to our state. It is a steering wheel to our life of going, well, how do I continue to go? So not to tag Jesus in and out and find themselves lost at some point. And this happens when we see our relationship with God, our faith as a means to an end. If I'm Christian, therefore I get this. If I do this, if I follow Jesus, then what? And often we try to rationalize our faith in the same way, don't we? Going, well, if, what will happen if I follow God? What will I get? What will I have to give up and what will I get? 
And when we see Jesus as a means to an end, I find quite often we, we find ourselves lost in the wrong place. When we've got to realize that it's really the journey that is the destination. It is the following that is the point. It's to continually follow Jesus. Like, well, when do I graduate? This 12-month Christian 101 course, when is it, is it over? It's like, well, it's not 12 months, it goes for life. I'm continually following Him. I want to continually stay on course. I want to continually respond in the right way and to see what He can do in and through me. See, the good news isn't advice about how to improve. The good news is that the King wants you to walk with Him. That the fight has been fought, the battle has been won, and now the King says, hey, would you follow me? I'll I'll show you what it's like to be royal. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the invitation to follow, that he wants us free and he wants us following. And just to finish up, I, I love this story that I, I read. I'm gonna share just a, just a brief summary of it. It's an old story written by a guy named George MacDonald. It's nearly a couple of hundred years old, but it's out of a, a children's book. He says he doesn't write for children, just for childlike people. <laughs> That's why I enjoyed it. <laughs> but it's a story from the princess, and it's called The Princess and the Goblin. They made a movie in the 90s and it was awful, but the story's all right. And I'll summarize some key parts, but it's about this eight-year-old girl named Irene. And Irene finds an attic in her, room, uh, in her house that she goes into and at some point she realizes that there is a fairy um, grandmother, is what they worded it. She has this fairy grandmother that comes and sees her from time to time. And so sometimes she goes there and finds her and other times she doesn't. So one day the, the, go, uh, the grandmother says, here, let me give you something so you will always be able to find me no matter what happens. Gives her a ring with a thread tied on it and said, if something ever happens and you're ever in danger, take the ring off, place it under your pillow, put your finger on the thread and follow it and just know that I'll be at the other end of the thread. So one day, a little while later in the story, one day she hears the goblins are in her house, the growling, the snarling. And, um, and so she does exactly what her grandmother told her. She pl- takes the ring off, feels for the thread. And this conversation that she was having beforehand was, but grandmother, I can't see the thread. She's like, no, you don't need to see it. It's only, it can only be felt. Right. So she takes this ring off, puts it under the bed, finger on the thread and starts to follow. But to her surprise, the thread starts leading her outside and not just outside, starts leading her towards the cave the goblins live in. Anyway, she continues to trust her grandmother and follows the thread all the way into the cave until she hits a stone wall. It is completely covered up. This doorway is completely filled with stone and she runs right into it with her finger and starts wailing out in tears because she feels like she's stuck. Oh, well, then she thought to herself, at least I can follow the thread back to my house and maybe there's safety there, maybe she's back there. And as she turns around to grab hold of the thread in the other direction, realizes that she can no longer feel it, the thread only works forwards. So she starts crying again. Things aren't going so well for this eight-year-old and I have an eight-year-old son, so I'm like, she's doing really well to listen. Just at this stage, she's followed instructions really well. But she starts to trust her grandmother again and starts digging away at the stone walls. She keeps doing this, her hands are hurting, starting to bleed. And while she's doing this, there is another lost girl in the cave, curious on what she is doing, why she came here and how she's going to get out. So she asks Irene, says, why did you come here? And Irene, realizing that 
She might have been led here to help this girl get out. Responds, I don't know, I think I just found out why. Anyway, the other girl kept objecting and saying that this is silly, this isn't going to work. She went, I tried and that didn't work for me. And so Irene responds, I know. But this is the way that my thread goes and I must follow it. A little later we find out that the thread proves trustworthy because her grandmother was trustworthy. And we can feel like this is part of our life, can't it? This is where Jesus says, hey, what's the point of gaining everything else if you, if you, you become lost? What's the point of, of running away when you lose that thread, when you don't know where I'm leading you, when there's no purpose in your life, when there is nothing of eternal significance, that, that you might gain everything. This is what the rich young ruler, you gained everything and yet you lost yourself and lost what Jesus could have done in your life. And this is the good news though for us, is that we can continue to follow forward. And Jesus is inviting us to, would you continue to follow me? Don't turn to the left or to the right. And as we read in in Psalms 23, it says, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil. Why? Well, because I'm still there with you. I'm there with you. You followed me here. That was the first verse I thought of when when I read through this story of going, you can go up through the goblin's cave. You can go up to this stone wall going, I don't know where to go, but we don't fear anything what's going on in our life because I know I've got a hold of Jesus. And I know that he's already won the fight. The battle is over. There is victory for me and I'm gonna continue to follow. And as we follow, we'll discover that there are more reasons why we end up places that we end up. Going, oh, I thought you were going to keep me out of harm's way. Why am I even in the valley of shadow of death? Until we start looking around and realize that maybe there's someone just sitting there not knowing how to get out. That they don't know who to follow. They don't know that Jesus has already done something for them. And we need to be like those heralds sent out going, hey, just letting you all know that there is a new king in town. He's fought the fight that you could never win and that he's given you eternal life. He's given you favor. He's given you blessing here and now. Don't worry, you're free. Would you come and follow him? The king wants you to to follow him and live that royal life as well. Upon the invitation to follow and respond to the good news is that would you walk with the king and, and learn what it's like to walk and live in the kingdom, to move forward, not looking sideways, no matter our hurts and disappointments, to continue to move forward with where Jesus is taking us because he is trustworthy and he leads us to experience heaven here on earth and for eternity with him. It's good news. What's been done, it's good news. And we get a chance to respond every single day. And so let me pray for you, church, as we pray together. Father, I thank you Lord, that you sent your son to die on the cross. Lord, and he rose again, he overcame that. He conquered sin and death and conquered all the stuff that, that was holding us back and separating you and I that He did this for us. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that we believe in the news, that there is actually news. It's not what I must do in order to earn. Lord, but we just respond with our heart, give you all our love, all of our soul, all of our mind. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done for us that we could never achieve. Lord, even when we weren't worthy of it, even when we were enemies, even when 
and we're in our lowest moments. It's in that moment that, that you extended your greatest love for us. So I thank you, Jesus. Help us respond in our life. Help us continue to follow you when we feel lost, to lead us back on track, to, to show us how to get back there. Lord, in those moments where we're not sure how to live and we're frustrated or tired or angry or just insecure and, or proud, Lord, show us the response to the good news, to be more like you, Jesus. Help us through this. Now, as every eye is closed and head is bowed, maybe you've never asked God into your life. You've never responded to the good news saying, Lord, I, I need you. I want to turn from one way that I'm currently living and I want to grab, I want to follow you. I want to know what you've got for me, how to live, where am I supposed to go? I'm feeling lost maybe. Maybe you're not. Maybe everything's going great. I still extend what Jesus did to, to that rich young ruler is today is it's the day to start to follow, to believe in him. Not just what you might get out of it, but the fact that the good news is he's done something for you that earns you something for your entire life and your eternity that we could never gain by ourselves. So this morning, would you say yes to God? Come into my life. And if that's you, well, no one's looking around. I just want you to raise your hand in the air as an outward sign of this inward decision of saying, Jesus, I wanna know you. So if that's you this morning, would you just do that? Just between you and God. Awesome. Just one more moment. Fantastic. That's great. Come on, church, would we celebrate this morning? Come on. Yeah. And we're going to pray in a moment. It's good news. I just want to pray. And why don't you join with me if you're a believer, praying for these people in this, this room and for the next service and for the one after that and all those people who have made this decision in the last few weeks. Come on, let's continue to pray. So, Father, we thank you that you've revealed yourself to your kids this morning. Lord, it's not about how eloquent someone speaks, but it's about what you are speaking to us when our hearts are open. And I thank you that people are receiving you. Lord, that you are, Lord, that you are the main attraction. You are the king that has invited us to follow. Lord, I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that as we grow closer to you, you reveal more about who we are and who you are. Lord, that we can respond appropriately. We can live through this life in the way that you've designed us to. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.